Welcome to When Movies Were Good, a laid-back discussion about all your favourite films from the silent era up until 1959. You can hear our channel's content on YouTube, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and follow all new updates and events on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Please give us a thumbs up or a good review, whatever your favourite podcast channel allows for. It helps to get us in front of more people. And now, on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome to the last edition of 2022 for When Movies Are Good. Here with uh, Rachel, your ever-loving host, and my special um, weekly guest star co-host, Matt. And we're being joined on the phone. We're doing it 80s style again tonight, Matt. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm uh, afraid it's uh, uh, owing to me. It's not exactly been weekly, but um, yeah, we. I'm glad we could fit this one in uh, for the end of the year. Uh, yes, we had to do a Christmas sure. special, so, of course. Uh, um, it would be a sin to finish the year yeah, without it. That night just had a bit of a weird year this year. I think everyone still has after COVID and and everything, and and that just had a lot with um, being a new dad, being a new husband, being a new homeowner. So, and because we just don't live as close to each other, it's been a little bit harder to sort of coordinate schedules to be able to get together in person. Uh, and then I have, uh, as the, the listeners must already know, many issues with my internet connection here. So um, Zooming and doing other sort of over the, you know, internet stream sort of calls and stuff, it just hasn't been happening for us. So that's why we're using sort of old technology and I appreciate Matt bearing with me while we discuss the 1938 A Christmas Carol based on the very famous Charles Dickens novella A Christmas Carol, which came out, Matt, in 1843, and it's still going strong. Yes. Yeah, well, I've actually just started listening to an audio book uh, so I had read it a few years ago, and it, I found it a very touching story when I did first read it, because many people think of the story right now as simply a children's story about a curmudgeon grandfather type, but uh, a lot of people don't realize what a strong social commentary the novel was when it was first released, because this was a time when the popular attitudes towards how to treat the poor were quite harsh by modern standards and oh, okay. so hearing the audiobook again uh, which is uh, uh, Hugh Grant has a great version oh, right. uh, which you can get uh, for free on au- you can get that for free on Audible currently and um, so that's actually uh, quite a, uh, a a nice fresh way to hear the story if you're not used to Victorian age literature audiobooks can be a great way to sort of uh, bring the words to life and uh, yeah it reminded okay. me of um, the the sort of real heart that Dickens had behind the words because he was really a well Dickens really was the social champion of the of the poor he uh, like I don't know how much you know about him Rachel but he uh, was very much almost on the street himself when he was young because of Accident to circumstances, and he became extremely super um, successful with his that, um, uh, writing. I mean, and he um, had a you know, great social conscience. Such a venerated sort of character, but 
A lot of people know the name, at least people sort of, you know, over 30 and onwards. I'm not sure about the TikTok generation, but um, but you don't actually realise his background was his father had gone to jail, I believe, and that made him, obviously, that put his family into dire straits. So he had to leave school. Oh, debtor's prison. Oh, okay. Well, not jail, not jail, jail. It was like debtor's prison. Uh, like now they now they just garnish you now that now they just just garnish you your earn, earnings. Oh back right, then, I okay. Think. So it wasn't jail, jail, but it was sort of like sort a of go to prison and have a bond paid or something. Um, in financial hardships, was it sort of? Uh, pretty pretty much, it was uh, yes, it was a. Uh, uh, oh, very right. much a okay. stick. But I think that uh, had a stick a, to make you reach for the character of the father was in debt, obviously meaning the family was. So that meant that he had to leave school. And I was just reading that he was working in a factory when he was like twelve or so. So and, and obviously he didn't want to leave school. So um, you know that would have shaped him a lot. So that that makes a lot of sense. The other aspect of the sort of Victorian age, which was a very long age. Of Queen Victoria, very similar to the long of her great-great-granddaughter, Queen Elizabeth, was the fact that her and her husband, Albert, got a lot of these, you know, you know, traditions that we take for granted now going again, like, yeah. like Christmas carols, Christmas tree, that sort of archetypal sort of celebration of Christmas. They, I, I didn't actually realise that they were responsible for getting that going again, so to speak, or getting it into the more modern age sort of thing. Yes, well, Victoria and Albert, they were among the first sort of quite sort of popular poster and newspaper. Like we're used to seeing the royals mm -hmm. in every sort of popular cultural publication now, but uh, it was a, a lot newer a concept when they were around. And Albert, like the UK had uh, kind of around the 17th century uh, when it had a a period when uh, when there was a strength from the Puritan types of uh, religion where that didn't like the idea of one day being more sacred than the, than the other. They tried to suppress a lot of sort of folk traditions, oh, wow. uh, including uh, traditional Christmas celebrations that used to involve a lot of loud revelries and the like. And uh, that meant that in the UK and by an extension America until the quite least 19th century it was uh, for many communities just another day uh, like it was uh, acknowledged as Christ's traditional birthday but not much more but uh, when you had uh, from the continent uh, a lot more positive feeling towards Christmas including tra traditions like the Christmas tree and of course when yeah, Victoria marries a German prince Albert uh, he brought a lot of those customs with him so we kind oh, of um, so like <laughs> We owe yeah, Queen Victoria the white wedding dress to Albert. We have on culture society during their long period together. And yeah, and right. this book, yeah, the story it itself, the Christmas Carol, um, helped consolidate a lot of traditional Christmas sentiments, like the um, uh, yeah. Yes, well, um, certain um, eating customs, even just the concept of it being a 
sort of more joyous occasion. The I think uh, obviously uh, traditions can sometimes get hard to become universally uh, placed when you're dealing with a lot of uh, opposing interests. And I think Scrooge's complaint about paying uh, somebody for a day off is probably something that a lot of employees yeah, so, begrudge. I mean, now. everybody is probably uh, familiar. But back then it wasn't a, such an overwhelming custom. Obviously very familiar with the story. So this we're doing the 1938 version here, which is a version that we chose because it was sort of towards the earlier period of the films that we discussed. So this it, it, this actually is, even though it has a real English feel about it, it is an American version of A Christmas Carol, but obviously set in the UK. Um, so Reginald Owen stars as Ebenezer Scrooge in this film, uh, directed by Edwin L. Marin. The screenplay was by Hugo Butler, obviously based on Charles Dickens' novella. Joseph L. Mankiewicz, who has produced and been involved with a lot of films that we've discussed. Um, also starring in this production was uh, so Reginald Owen, who I really like in this role, was in the title role of, um, well, some films are called Scrooge, this one's called The Christmas Carol, but he's in the main role. We had Jean Lockhart, Kathleen Lockhart, um, Terry Kilburn, Barry McKay and Lynn Carver rounding out the cast. Uh, and the music was done by Franz Waxman. Yeah, Terry Kilburn, um, the... Yes, that's right, yes. I, I well, had Terry Kilburn won the play, name, but when I was reading about this in, version uh, Goodbye, Mr. of the film, I did actually mention that. And it was released, wow, December 16th, 1938. It has a great running time. Matt knows I'll love this because I just that a lot of films are excessively long for no reason to be. 69 minutes. That's what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> and it does it nicely too. Yeah, it could it could almost be um Yeah, I mean even though this was like almost 10 years into the silent era, it almost has the um the, the the quality of a silent film, which tended to be shorter as well, the, the sort of the movement of the storyline yeah. is quite is quite rapid. Even though they used a lot of the dialogue from Dickens himself, he he did have a, quite a flavor yeah. language. The uh, the story uh, uh, they've managed to cover the three segments it's broken down into uh, pretty evenly. And yes, within 69 minutes, yes, the story's gone through. I guess they didn't the want to versions. keep it too I mean, long for a family-oriented film. Some of the animated theatrical versions they've done are quite dark compared to this version, yes. Yeah, well, uh, the, I'm just thinking uh, it's around this time when you had uh, Snow, the Snow yes. White movie, and <laughs> well, uh, just thinking of um, those so just, scenes so of the film was made by eating Snow White and in the, the Great Lionel Barrymore was originally due to do the role of Scrooge, and he had um, bad arthritis problems. Yeah, as here in some of the notes, um, but he did narrate the trailer. Uh, I just think the cast was great anyway, and a young June Lockhart who played one of the children of. Um, of uh, uh, as the Cratchit, so Jean and Kathleen Lockhart played the Cratchit. Their daughter June, I just know her because I'm a big fan of 
as you know, because I've referenced that um, Matt is the Jonathan Harris of this podcast, meaning the weekly guest star, and that's obviously taken from Jonathan Harris from Lost in Space, and June Lockhart was the mother in Lost in Space. Obviously, you know, a great period of TV because we all know who had a hit series at that point. I didn't want to bring Larry up again, but, you know, it had to be done. I had to find some way. Um, but what I liked about this, um, um, what I liked about this will know what you was, mean. it was condensed. It obviously is a little bit lighter, so they show scenes at the start of the film, the group of boys playing in the street and they're doing something called ice sliding, um, which is a very, seems like um, you're going to break your neck if you do it, but they seem to be having a great time. I don't think people voluntarily, if they live in snowy areas, like to ice slide because it normally denotes that they're going to have an accident, but... These boys have mastered the habit of it. Um, I also like the way they worked in Scrooge's nephew into this. I know he he is in the novella as well, but I like the way they had sort of him as a prominent role at the start as well. But things just seemed a bit lighter in this film, like they just approached it from a bit of a different angle. And even with um, the ghosts when they arrived, yeah. as the, the, the listeners will know and will be familiar with the story of Scrooge who's visited by three ghosts who take him through various elements of his past life, his present life and what his future life may be. So they kind of fiddled around with the timeline, you know, as compared to the novella when they show up. They all just come on the one night. And that I think in the novella they come at different nights, do they? Or they come at different points uh, that's a bit different to how this film had it. Yeah, uh, yeah. They um in the novella they come I I think uh, on three separate nights and uh, which is a strange. It seems like a bit of a uh, uh, well inefficient way. But then uh, when I think of uh, the how Dickens approached stories, like obviously he wrote in a different time and perhaps it was more fashionable to have the story more drawn out. But if you um read the uh, a Christmas Carol at the beginning, uh, the whole, it's a bit weird. It, whole, it begins with this whole, uh, like, probably two or three page uh, extra storyline about just confirming that the per- this oh, person Molly, yeah. at the beginning is dead. And he almost, uh, so this is a Scrooge's old business partner. And for just to cover a fairly, just to cover a fairly minor plot point, he almost, Dickens almost rambles on all this whole whole period and he did a similar thing in the beginning of Oliver Twist Hell and out, I think that's uh, part of just a it was the fashion at the time to sort of uh, be a bit more poetic with certain certain points like, uh, but um, because he had quite a, a quite creative <laughs> humour almost you uh, to give him for it, even well, though you know the, that the life of Hemingway yeah, I mean, would be like, like the great just cut it down to one sentence, Even though they're speaking technically the same language, the English authors and the American authors would have a vastly different way of going about telling the same story. But I do love, you know, the ideas of these ghosts, and I think that's one of the best elements of this story, these three very different ghosts, especially the first one of his dead business partner, Jacob Marley, and that's just such a great name. And I think anyone that would get that role, I was actually... Yes, I actually thought the special effects for 1938 were fantastic. 
I, I love the special <laughs> effects they use for the ghost. Yeah, I I, th- I actually thought the whole yeah, film well, I was guess they would have had they would have had done something to do with like I, double exposing the film the music or something. Was used beautifully, and I you're right. The way that they portray Jake Marley, like there's a production here in, in our home city here in Australia of Melbourne at the moment. They're doing something I think that's come down from the West End, which is a big production of a Christmas Carol. Um, I believe it's an, um, I want to say it's a musical. I'm um, but I'm not 100% sure. I just know it's a big sort of lavish production of it. And I was even looking at how they did Jacob Marley in that production. I still think this 1938 version does very well. There's a lot the costume designer, the production designer, the effects team can do with Jacob Marley because he is, you know, um, in the book is described as being literally in chains, the chains that sort of, you know, came from his real life into his afterlife, the chains of money and locks and this and that that sort of surround him. And um, I just thought they did a great job in this film. And, and just the whole concept of Jacob Marley is just brilliant. I mean, he could have a film probably in his own right. And I'm sure there, there probably is a story or a film yeah. that they've made about Jacob Marley that we're not aware of. But um, uh, I really... Uh, I really enjoyed this film because it just got to the point and it just told you the story and... I am keen to say, I was discussing with Matt before we started recording that there's a few other versions I'm keen to see. I have never seen Bill Murray's Scrooge, which came out in 1988, which I would like to see. I might actually watch that on Christmas Day. And then I was watching some obscure 1970s telling movie with Henry Winkler, a.k.a. Fonzie from Happy Days, and it had a different name to it, and it was set in a different era, and it set up in Maine. And it was about, you know, their version of a Christmas carol with this, with this different person. I got up to the part where he was going around repossessing things from people's homes. So I need to actually finish that off. But even that was quite interesting. But it just goes to show you the timeless appeal of this story. And, and Matt, what would you say the, the moral of this story is? If you can be shown the error of your ways and still, and still gain redemption. I mean, I think that's definitely what this film version showed us and all versions do, really. Well, as far as the uh, the original book, well, a big part is just simply that. Uh, well, we we hear um, we're used to hearing the slogan uh, at the, uh, in current politics, right. uh, "Black Lives Matter." Well, back then you could say the equivalent for the, that the point of the story is, is that poor people's lives matter, uh, which is a big right. um, which is a big part of it. It, it was trying to encourage. Um, uh, uh, the um, sort of the the right the right of um the less fortunate to exist. That's a and a, I think that's the main motto that carries in a lot of adaptations. Even though the story is almost to an extent, depending on which one, uh, can be a little bit uh, trivialized depending on how they're trying to um push the story. And even though they're and and even if they're setting it in Dickens' time, a lot of the versions they may sort of present a more sort of rose-tinted uh, idealization of um, the Victorian era. But we forget how yeah. uh, grim it could be once you got to the East End of London that in those days, and with poor labour conditions and everything. So that's why I think uh, 
it, it, I almost have ideas myself for a sort of an adaptation that is a lot more uh, uh, realist, realistic in how they portray that time. And it's like a um, story that one of the stories that every generation uh, tries to put their own stamp on sometimes like 10 different films within one generation. And one issue with all these different versions that you have certain images stuck in your head. And especially because this is obviously, this is a story used so often for children. <laughs> uh, all this talk about Marley's ghost. I'm still having it stuck in my head and images of and he was free? Uh, Goofy in the Disney version as Marley the ghost with chains on. Uh, telling Scrooge the air of his ways. <laughs> so that's oh, an image right. that's okay. still hard to get out of my okay, head. That's coming back to me now. <laughs> Why would you think uh, that? It was um, Donald Duck's uncle, who's um, Scrooge. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, funny if they chose Disney for that. It's actually actually when we're going through the ghost of. Uh, yeah, I think it was Goofy that was him, uh, but also like going. Like more life after. Yeah, yeah, well, I'd, light-hearted take I guess, on. I guess they wanted um, a, <laughs> Yeah, it's actually amazing. Uh, I don't know, maybe they wanted one that was versions, tall and lanky. And I'm sure uh, there's probably versions they have quite famous people playing that role as well. Um, there's a version with Patrick Stewart and stuff. So yeah. it's actually interesting to go through and see how they've adapted the character of Jacob and how they've done all the other different ghosts as well. So, um, but uh, ultimately, this is a really good little version to watch, though. Oh, definitely. Um, there's actually um, talking more about versions of this story that I remember from childhood. It's oh, yes, actually quite yes. funny when they're doing the Ghost of Christmas Past and they're showing Scrooge where he apprenticed yes. at. Uh, I think it's like Fezziwag and Co. or something. Uh, the 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 book uh, the bookkeeper's uh, company. And I'm just thinking yes. Fezziwag. I mean that <laughs> they almost made a compulsory decades a later in the Muppet it? version to make Fozzie Bear that? the one who apprenticed yeah. Scrooge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, He's, uh, that, that, that'll definitely take yeah, on a lot of The Muppets have done everything. And you know my idea for a Muppet version of the Crucible. <laughs> It's, it's actually amazing, but the, but it just has to show you the universality of the story, though, that they can do it in animated, they can do it with very well-known other characters from Disney, from the Henson universe, you know? So it's just a testament to actually how timeless this story is. I'm actually very curious now to watch... And, and some of the other versions that were made around the same time, there's a 1951 version... It looks pretty good. That I, that is actually an English adaption. I'd be interested to see. And uh, you know, Matt and I were discussing the first version was 1901, which was a silent film. So, you know, they've been making this it, since the dawn. This story has been made in yeah. different versions of film, play, TV since the dawn of being able to even do any of that stuff. So, yeah. Well, it's a it's it's a very uh, uh, yeah. how shall I put it? The um, it has because you have the three spirits for one thing. It's got a very strong 
visual quality that would let the world of silent films. Uh, and even though it's, um, even though a lot of people forget it, the social message that it originally had, there's still an underlying yeah. moral quality to it that can reach to. Although people often try and just preach to young audiences, like I said, it can reach well to adults. Uh, of course, we have uh, something of a reverse issue in our, in our time where it's become so taken for granted to be, to be yeah. materialistic. I mean, it's a, it's but it, a in a way, it means story, really. that uh, sort of we have to look at the Scrooge and all of us and uh, try and open up. Uh, and, well, yeah, there there are some that critique this, and this is why I think it's partly important to remember what a 19th century social policy that effectively believed that it was, uh, you were almost in, endorsing evil economic systems by giving poor relief because of sustained systems that didn't work, and you had excess population that uh, shouldn't be sustained, that sort of thing. Uh, like, uh, so politics could be quite harsh at that time. But I think one reason uh, to remember that is that uh, there are accusations now in the these days of the story having anti-Semitic qualities. And there is some justification in that because being that Scrooge in the storyline is a money lender, uh, which is a profession that a lot of Jewish people were uh, forced into uh, because of uh, the Christian church banning uh, money lending uh, from the Middle Ages and later. There is argument that uh, uh, the, the Scrooge could be associated with um, Jewish stereotypes, but uh, we we must remember that uh, the um, it, it wasn't just uh, confined to um, anti-Semitic yeah. debates that those um, sorts of negative qualities uh, that we think of as Scrooge are uh, pushed in that way. It was a much yeah. broader yeah, issue no, at the time. Yeah, so, there is actually a yes, lot of valid um, It is a valid thing to consider um, an interpretation, but you shouldn't write the story off because of that. There's so much to research that we wouldn't even be able to touch on here, and a lot of what Matt talked about in relation to how society was set up at the time. You know, I remember you know, it was the throes of the Industrial Revolution. Also, the Victorian era itself, there's a whole... You know, chapter and verse on that that you could discuss all the different elements of the Victorian era from the time that she came to the throne to the time that she died, and that's obviously true with her great granddaughter that um, has passed away recently. So, um, but a very fascinating, and and I'm definitely over this holiday period going to explore a little bit more of the Charles Dickens universe for sure. So, thank you for everyone for bearing with us this year and and joining us. Um, the episodes we did manage to get out, at least we've kept going. And as I said to Matt before we started recording, that's one, you know, we started doing this at the start of COVID. We're still here <laughs> and we're still trying to get out. We're probably going to have a bit more of a balanced schedule next year between this and our other podcast, A Glimpse of Hell, which is sort of like, um, how would we describe that, Matt? We kind of do um, true crime, but it's more historical true crime that we focus on because there's so many modern true crime podcasters who just kind of wanted to take our interest and maybe take it in a slightly different direction so we'll definitely be working on that and we'll be keeping when yes yes and some of the just some of the old yeah, things um... that happened in you know just some 
things, resulted in the death of thousands of people. And when you actually look at the role they played in it, it's, you know, um, they may not have actually done the deed themselves with their own hand, but they certainly had a hand in many, many people passing away because of it. So there's lots of really interesting things to discuss. So keep an eye out for that as well, or keep an ear out for that, and we'll make sure we're a bit more active on our social media and stuff too. So um, I just wanted to thank you for joining us. Hope you all have a fantastic Christmas and New Year, and we will definitely see you in 20 or you'll be listening to us in 2023. Matt, is there anything you wanted to say just to sign off for this year as well? Well, we always announce all our new information on our social media channels. And uh, we often uh, find little bits of interesting articles that uh, we'd like to unpublish that are in relation to our uh, our stories. I actually wanted to post uh, an article a few weeks ago, uh, which unfortunately uh, just uh, being a yeah, new father right. at times slipped away from me and sort of the news item became irrelevant. But uh, we did a feature on yeah. the great uh, British war movie, The Dam Busters, a few months ago. Yes, and uh, I was reading in the New York Times that the last member of that squadron um, uh, passed away at age 101, I think. So, um, yeah, un- unfortunately, I didn't get to... Yeah, so I didn't get to um, post that um, in our channel at the time, but uh, uh, we may as well... Um, uh, mention that now. Um, yes, yeah, uh, it was a. Uh, I did read that. Yes. An important uh, part of um, history, and uh, we were glad to talk about a, a very uh, good commemoration of their work. Um, yeah, we forward to, um, Well, thank you for that, Matt. That was a lovely well, we look way forward to that, both celebrating adaptations uh, of reality in the new year and, and also great works of imagination. See, and you'll hear us in 2023. We really appreciate you. Oh, so thank you so much.